0: It always reminds me of that uh, book from Musashi, how if you know the way broadly, you'll see it in everything. So I just see so many connections between uh, these different disciplines, which at the surface look completely different and uh, unrelated, but the underlying principles all seem to uh, point in the same direction.
1: This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me, Glenn. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Always a pleasure to, uh, to be chatting with you. I've always enjoyed, uh, enjoyed training with you over the years. And uh, recently we were up in, uh, in Toronto and that was nice just to hang out a little bit up there as well.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed our training and uh, conversation time. I always have uh, very interesting uh, talks with you.
1: So can you tell folks a little bit about um, about yourself? Uh, where are you based and um, and where do you teach or train system?
0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Hahn. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. Uh, metro area. Uh, I was the head instructor of DC Systema for the past 10 years, which has now turned into Maryland Systema. And Jim Eglin, who you've interviewed um, a few weeks ago, has taken over as head instructor, who was recently certified um, as full instructor. Great. And currently, uh, because of my uh, job responsibilities and uh, other things, I'm sort of taking more of a backseat and taking a break from teaching while I'm you know, still planning to train and go to seminars until. Uh, I get over a, a certain work detail that allows me to um, have more of a public presence. Gotcha. Uh, but for the time being, just uh, keeping a low profile.
1: Gotcha. And, and I know you, you're not at liberty to talk about um, who you work for, <laughs> what you do, and that kind of thing. That there's some security yeah. issues involved in it. But wh- what's what's your general line of work? What do you? What's your specialty?
0: Uh, well, right now it's, I'm just a, a, a federal, you know, bureaucrat type person. But my background. Uh, was in art and architecture uh, and also um, uh, academia and art uh, prior to uh, several career changes. So uh, it's, I've had a, a meandering career path from art, design, uh, uh, being a professor at a university to um, architecture and then uh, with various uh, other interests besides martial arts like Argentine tango and um, so on.
1: Yeah, and I'd definitely like to get into that because we've had some interesting discussions about the uh, the parallels between uh, Tango and even some of the drills we were doing, the power drills and sensitivity drills we were doing up in Toronto had parallels in uh, things that you'd done in Tango, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I, I didn't know you were a professor. What was that?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, so for a couple of years, I was uh, an art professor teaching uh, color theory and how um, people recognize uh, visual symbols. Um, so it was uh, a lot of art theory uh, mixed in with... Um, Philosophy of uh, how we uh, comprehend um, the world. Um, a lot, of, a lot of work based on uh, Nelson Goodman's uh, world of um, the ways of world making.
2: Mm. So
0: how we uh, create meaning and symbols uh, in our um, everyday environment to create um, sort of a, a model of a world in which to interact in. So that was sort of a, an art-based approach to teaching that uh, those classes. But um, no as some people may know, academia can be very political, so I just decided to uh, change career paths and went into uh, designing sports stadiums and museums for a few years.
1: Right. Well, lucky to just start designing sports stadiums and museums. Everybody does that when they get bored with academia, right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. As I said, I had a meandering career path.
1: <laughs> yeah, the fascinating one. It's, it's amazing that you can um, turn your... Turn your talent so quickly between these things. It's a it's a testament to how how bright a girl you are. I think definitely. So what um so what drew you to um to martial arts generally? You you didn't start with sistema, I believe. You you did some other arts beforehand.
0: Uh yeah, so I did aikido uh, for the longest time. So I guess uh, like a lot of people, you know, I started uh, karate and Judo as a kid. Um, and as a kid, I took part in a tournament, and I unintentionally broke uh, my opponent's jaw and I felt so awful that basically stopped my uh, martial art training until I was around 18 uh, when I uh, discovered Aikido.
2: because
0: um, mm. uh, I liked the philosophy behind it because I was you know, never much of a scrapper and I really um, dislike violence um, on a personal level. Mm. But I figured you know, it's a good way to learn a martial art uh, without getting into the whole competitive aspect of it. Um, and I did that for a while, but then I started noticing there were shortcomings. I mean, the principles are great, but some of the applications felt lacking. So um, I started uh, diving into other martial arts, like uh, the, some of the Chinese internal systems and uh, Filipino Kali. Hmm. And then, uh, back in, I said 2003 or so, when Stanley Pranin did the IKEA Expo, where um, yeah. he invited Vladimir, and that was really my first exposure to Sistema, but at that time there was nobody um, teaching it in my area, so I, you know, like a lot of people, you know, got the videos and watched it and tried to figure out the drills. And then for a couple of years, there was a, a group in the D.C. area that I uh, joined, but then within I think a year or two, the instructor left Sistema and did his own thing and started drifting so far from what I liked about Systema that I started just going to uh, seminars and camps on my own, and then Vladimir uh, basically told me to um, start a group and certified me, and Mm -hmm. then I ran the DC Systema group for about 10 years until uh, this uh, work detail uh, earlier this year kind of um, forced me to, uh, you know, hand things over and, you know, take a lower, you uh, at least there was sense the a commitment yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and that that can be a good thing sometimes I think you know to 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 pause you know' so it can i think sometimes when we when we teach indefinitely as well, i mean I found this that. You can kind of just get into this one mindset and it's nice to just i mean i love going for seminars one or just going up to vladimir for like two weeks and just getting to be the student right and not teaching anybody and not <laughs> not having any kind of onus or responsibility to show anybody anything or perform <laughs> i'm just there to, to to learn when i'm up there and it's um that's that's refreshing for me right? it gives me some renewed power and energy when i come back to my teaching are you finding the same thing having a little bit of a um a hiatus and from teaching yourself
0: Yeah, I'm actually really enjoying it because, uh, well, first of all, I never felt comfortable wearing the instructor T-shirt, and when I go to seminars, even though you know the basic request is for all instructors to wear the T-shirt, I just intentionally not wear the shirt. So that way, I feel like I can get more feedback, even from somebody who may have trained um, fewer years than I have, but they might have some insights, and they might be more hesitant if I'm wearing an instructor shirt to, uh, you know correct me or even, you know, point out things that I might be doing that you know, I can improve on. So I just like, you know, not being, you know, noticed as an instructor at those events. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so you mentioned um, a little bit um, the, the other interests that you have outside of uh, Sistema, one of which in, a, in the past few years, especially we've talked about is Argentine tango. What, what, what drew you to that? Have you always had an interest in dance or was it that form specifically that just kind of hooked you?
0: Well, it, I I never danced uh, until uh, about, you know, 10 years ago. Um, actually, uh, I tried dancing uh, 15 years ago when my wife and I were getting married and I took up a crash course in ballroom and absolutely hated it because... <laughs> it, in fact, it felt like uh, one of those martial arts where they give you an artificial form and you have to remember all these katas so have to learn sequences, and it just felt um, very restricted. Um, mm. So, uh, but then I learned that Argentine tango is all improvised. Uh, so what you see uh, and well, it's different from what most people see on Dancing with the Stars and stage performance, where it's all choreographed. But real Argentine tango is all improvised, mm. and uh, so you know the partners communicate, uh, you know, such with such um, you know subtle, uh, intuitive um, quality um, that they're reacting instantly to um, each other, their environment, and to the music. So each person has three partners, you know, their physical partner, the music, where they have to time everything so what they're uh, doing with their body matches the mu- uh, music. Hmm. And then the environment around them, especially in uh, social dancing, where people are moving around them. So it's like uh, like mass attack group where you're trying to avoid <laughs> everybody while still doing everything without losing your beat and uh, without fumbling. So, so that improvised spontaneous quality while doing it, while being relaxed and also being so sensitive to everything around you appealed to me. And it felt like it was an application of Sistema training, uh, but without the punching and you know, kicking, which I'm sure uh, your dance partner won't enjoy if you yeah. did that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. When, when I lived in uh, London, um, after coming back from Japan, i have been studying Aikido for a bunch of years, and, and we were in London. And I can't remember if it was for a birthday present or something like that, um, my wife got us uh, swing dancing lessons, right? You know, like a kind of, I think it was West Coast swing, I want to say it's Hollywood swing. There's different styles of it. There's like I think lindy hop and like um, jive are the most uh, common ones where people, you know, go quite long. Um, but this is quite a tight little style where, you know, you're, you're in a, a fairly close hold and you've got your arm, you know, around the back of the other person's shoulder blade and, and you're making tight little movements. Um, but still to that kind of six count beat. Um, and we had these two really professional instructors who frankly were just way too high level for me like heather was a dancer anyway my wife like danced ballet and modern and tap and all kinds of stuff going through through school and high school and college so she's just an amazing dancer so if she had a half decent partner who could lead her she can learn anything she's amazing right but i've got the you know the dance equivalent of like i'm, I'm not bad you know but I'm, I'm in no way talented i'm fighting my talent every step of the way right way. <laughs> and the, anyway we did this um these swing classes and it was a lot of kind of rotation right you have to form pressure and then send her out and bring her back in again um and just through years of kind of training aikido and keeping my hips very very solid and doing these pivoting tenkan turns and all that kind of stuff i was i kept like just flinging my partners with power like away from me <laughs> and they'd go careering across the floor and and the, the instructor was like you have to do it less you know I was, I was too rooted to the floor and i was too um you know, I, I wasn't sensitive to to what I was doing, and I actually found that there was a a conflict between what I had learned in how to move in Aikido and what I was doing in dance, which I didn't expect. I thought that maybe there would be some parallels. So how? But it, it strikes me that both of those things are structured, though, in a lot of ways. Like Aikido is structured, and, and swing dance is structured too, right? There is some uh, you know, improvisational aspect to it, um, and I was probably missing a lot of this pressure and sensitivity. How did you um? Did you take to it right away when you started doing Argentine Tango? And you are like, oh, this is just the same, and this is pretty easy, I can get the feel. Or was there a different kind of learning curve when you started?
0: Well, it's sort of a, um, it's weird. Uh, in many ways, it resembles the um, the teaching methodology of Aikido, but in application, it's much more uh, closer to Sistema. So what I mean by that is you don't learn um, forms or um like kata, in a sense, you learn individual elements, but basically, the for the first couple of years, you're really trying to learn how to walk correctly. So that means proper structure, so uh, you know, like in Sistema, we talk about the four pillars, um, breathing, yeah. relaxation, structure, and movement. So same thing, so how to breathe correctly so you're not overly tense, because if you're tense, you can't communicate your intentions, nor receive information, so this emphasis on relaxation Hmm. and proper structure, how to move efficiently um, so you can be very clear in what you want to do and also how you uh, receive that information. Hmm. So it's very Systema-like, uh, and also the drills uh, that Vladimir had us uh, do up in Toronto. Yeah. It's, um, it's basically one of the first things you learn, which they call the practice embrace, where you try to feel the weight of the other person, and when they shift weight, uh, which step they take and communicate uh, directly and you respond without resisting them or um, overdoing it. So it's just, just enough, um, mm. the way how Vladimir talked about how you walk with such um, efficiency and how you feel the ground, uh, but at the same time you're not pushing too hard or you know pulling or resisting. So uh, that's a drill in Tango that I really uh, recognized and uh, found value in uh, and just Using your body as a stethoscope to really like listen with your whole body and, and to feel um, when something changes without having somebody um, tell you uh, verbally of not turn left or turn right. Um,
1: sure. That's, so, that's, that's, sorry. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it was, um, so I mean, it takes. I mean, the learning curve is uh, steep, but I just enjoyed how um, the two um, disciplines complement each each other even though there are differences um um when it comes to like how to apply them um but yeah. still uh you know it took me a long time to figure out sistema as well so um again i'm still figuring it out but you know how you think oh in six months i'll get this but then you realize oh no it's much deeper than that um yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah in six so months you'll awesome. get
1: over this mountain and realize there's an even bigger one behind it <laughs>
0: right so um yeah so it wasn't until like a year or two you no know, after I started tango that I actually made an attempt to dance socially because um, you're still trying to figure out how to just walk properly you
1: know. and and what form does your tango training kind of take now Do you still go to regular kind of improver classes or do you go mostly just to social kind of events where you'll where you're um, well, uh, uh, so, you improvise and practice
0: well both so no. Know, well, because I've been working so much these days, I haven't been able to go out dancing. But I try to go out at least once or twice uh, for social dancing um, a week. And then uh, when there's a visiting teacher, or uh, sometimes just for a little feedback and tweak, I'll you know, schedule a private with uh, a teacher that I you know, really respect to um, hmm. you know just notice certain things. So um, sometimes it takes you know somebody with more experience to just notice those little subtle things. So to then, An average person, it looks like I'm doing something perfectly fine, but I know on the inside, just through my own self evaluation, that something's a little off and it's good to go and um, just have that little fine tuning done. So, yeah, that's and I find that the fine tuning also applies to my study of systema and everything else. Um, Yeah,
1: definitely very, very similar in the way you know that we can do the same kinds of drills and the same kind of movements, but if the feeling is different on the inside, the result can be completely different, or the, the smoothness of the movement or the effectiveness of the movement can be completely um, completely different, right? Uh,
0: yeah, so now it always reminds me of that uh, quote from Musashi, how if you um, know the way broadly, you'll see it in everything. So I just see so many connections between uh, these different um, disciplines, which at the surface look... Um, Completely different and uh, unrelated, but the underlying principles all seem to uh, point in the same direction. Of you know, how to be efficient, how to breathe, how to be relaxed, and how to be open and honest. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, how do you? So, for me, I, I think this is quite an interesting um, prospect of how kind of like free and open sistema mm-hmm. is, and as as a martial art, right? So, even the term martial art. In, in Japanese, for example, they have kind of different phrases um, for something that's required as like a fighting art, right? And um, something that's a series of skills is a jutsu, like a jujutsu or kenjutsu for sword, right? Um, but they have a separate word, which is do for the path, right? It's, it's, the, it's the way that you train. It's the path that you walk on the way there. And there's a kind of connotation in Japanese that those two things are a little bit different. Like kenjutsu is just learning how to sword fight. It's learning how to kill people with swords. And there's nothing in kenjutsu which is necessarily supposed to be relevant to the wider world or how you think like in a lot of other ways right that that's the idea kendo is like the way of training like and it's and it's using kind of sword fighting as a a way of self-improvement that's supposed to be the idea right that you learn how to um and and now it's obviously kendo is a sport right and it's and turned into something else and the same thing with jiu-jitsu and judo right that was the origin in, in a sense of what Jigoro Kano did with Jujitsu jitsu and turning it into Judo. It's like, well, let's turn this into a, a self-development path, like something that kids and teenagers mostly in Japan could train in order to kind of improve themselves, their sense of balance, their sense of confidence, their sense of connection with each other, right, and kind of courageousness, all of those different things. Um, but in English, we just have this one word, art, right? And and then when we say martial art, it, it's always struck me sometimes as a little bit of a contradiction in terms, but... Because in, in some styles it just seems like you rehearse some movements again and again and again um, and you get better at those movements and and you could say that in the same way as maybe practicing like a, a very fine painting technique like quantilism or something like over time, if you attain, attain a degree of mastery of doing those things, then maybe you could say you're a fine artist. but most people who can just paint things very well like a realist painting, um, aren't regarded as the greatest artists of the time the, the the greatest artists in you know fine art or in whatever discipline it's going to be in sculpture or architecture are usually the most creative they're the ones that kind of break the rules and and they use what they've learned and to go in all different directions and to me that's the definition of an art that it's that it imbues things with meaning and that it has at its heart creativity and to me systema it's one of very few martial arts that really, really embodies that. There, there are others, absolutely there are others, and you can express yourself in lots of different ways with different martial arts. But the the, the relative formlessness in Sistema was something that I found to be pr- pretty unique and genuinely offers me kind of like a creative outlet. Have, have you got any kind of thoughts on that, being an artist yourself?
0: Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's really interesting because I think, uh, especially with the growth of... Uh, you know, BJJ and MMA, there's sort of a renewed uh, interest in competition uh, in society, and which tends to, again, uh, fuel and reinforce the ego as opposed to uh, and more of a self-discovery and self-refinement, which we associate with uh, martial art, in the with the emphasis in the art.
2: Hmm.
0: And I kind of see it as the difference between um, pornography versus art where I think the purpose of pornography is to um, have somebody covet and get a thrill and have um, some sort of an ego boost, while art is more of a loss of self and where you lose yourself into the object that you're viewing. So one may look at a naked person for arousal versus looking at uh, a painting of a body to appreciate the sculptural element, the beauty, the maybe uh, the hidden meaning of uh, what it means to be a human being in the world so there's all the like internal uh, meaning and experience uh which comes from humility and an openness uh is art well if it's all about coveting and in you know, thrills then which reinforces the ego that goes into the realm of pornography and it seems like violence for entertainment you know goes into the realm of pornography just from my point of view hmm. and um seems like things that reinforce the ego uh, really is a way to um, drift away from um, that self-discovery, uh, you know, like know yourself, which I think Sistema uh, tries to, uh, uh, you know, allow the student to explore.
1: Yeah. So, so do you think there, um, like in art, there, there, are, there are good and bad ways to try and cultivate creativity sometimes I think right um, For example, if you just make a habit out of just copying other people's work all of the time right um, then then everything that you do becomes a bit derivative. For example, like, um, and I see powers with music too, right? So I play guitar. Throughout my teenage years, I would learn like, other people's guitar solos, forwards, backwards, and, you know, all over the place. So I could see if I can try and play it like Steve Ray Vaughan or like Jimi Hendrix or Joe Satriani or something, right? I'll be practicing for hours and hours trying to get the same notes in the same order with the same kind of precision and, and accuracy right um but the end result was being able to kind of rope repeat some impressive things but it still came off as like a party trick right like look at him doing this thing and playing guitar faster than most other kids can or something but there's always somebody who can play it a bit faster there's always somebody who can play it a little bit more like the other guy and it took me some years and perhaps a little bit of hard-earned maturity right <laughs> to realize that the difference between a great musician um and and just a good one, right? One who has who's skilled um, is the feel, right? It's the feel that they come to the instrument with. And, and what made Hendrix and Steve Ray Vaughan great wasn't their ability to play thousands of notes or play more notes than somebody else. Um, it was their ability to take one note and shake the shit out of it, right? And just and say something with one note that came out. And the same thing in in art, right? And you can, you can be extraordinarily skilled in your ability to kind of replicate what's in front of you. Um, but often the people we admire most, uh, and a lot of the impressionist movement came from this, right? Was this ability to capture an entire feeling, or capture an entire shape, or an entire movement, or, or a mood um, with less, right? Uh, to, to, to see if you can kind of put that forward. Is are there ways do you think in which sometimes martial arts are practiced that lead us away from creativity, um, and ways that can lead us towards it?
0: Um. Yeah. Um. I think what's really unique to Systema is um, the tr- the drills themselves uh, really does allow for self-discovery because um, I think um, it's one of the few arts that really allows you to explore suffering. Uh, and I'm not saying suffering in a masochistic way, but a lot of these drills are just very challenging and frustrating and humiliating uh, if you have your ego invested in it. Mm. and I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on violence, but very few people st- um, study suffering of, you know, how it feels to receive um, and and how you process that information. So
2: hmm.
0: I think um, the study of suffering um, allows you to really explore and develop compassion for oneself and others. and. I think it's that really internal exploration uh, that allows it to turn into art, as opposed to um, you know just uh, mimicking movement uh, or trying to replicate something um, physically. So it just appears a certain way. Um, I think it's really that. Really, um, again, uh, what Vladimir said about know yourself, um, hmm. if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. But, so, so kind of so movement on its own. It's kind of not mm-hmm. enough, whether whether you're playing guitar or whether you're flicking brushstrokes across a canvas. right? Movement on its own is not really enough without some aspect of discovery or spirituality, right? Because what you're talking about now is saying what we do is partly... Look at suffering, and we look at um, thinking about what it does to us, and how it feels when we when we fight, and when we get grabbed, and when we get scared, and when we get exalted, or sometimes when we feel too proud, or like um, even vicious, right? All these different things can come out in us um, in the in, in physical interactions, and the, the study you know, usually the study of suffering and how it feels, and or trying to alleviate it or work around it is usually just the purview of religion, right? That normally we we don't necessarily turn to art to do that, but there are forms of art where I guess people will make statements, and then and in order to make people reflect on what suffering is, I guess, or different emotions are, right, most notably love, right most of the time, like ninety percent of music is about love, and <laughs> perhaps ninety percent of of art is about love or lost love, right, but people do explore other things, um suffering being one of them as well, so do you feel like that's something that sets it apart a little bit, maybe that it is imbued with a spirituality
0: uh yeah, I think so, uh, because well. Even in art, this notion of uh, express yourself or the individual artist is more of a 20th century phenomenon. Um, Prior to that, uh, art was uh, mostly served a religious or spiritual purpose. If you look at any uh, folk traditional art to uh, you know, everything from classical European art, it was to reference uh, religious teachings or mythology. And it was mm. not about the individual artist it's, you know, himself or herself. So, like that uh, Zen saying about the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. Uh, so, it was never really about the individual artist, but about what is being conveyed through the art. Hmm. And it, only with the 20th century, with the invention of like the self and the ego and, um, you know, like Freudian psychology taking mainstream, um, that the artist himself as a personality became a thing. But I hmm. think if you go back to the original purpose of art, It was all about exploration and the hidden meaning and the connection between the self and the larger world or with God or whatever spiritual uh, practice they have. So I think Sistema really is less about the individual practitioner but about how can one tune in and connect with this larger principle.
2: Hmm. And
0: I think um, what Vladimir said was how most uh, martial arts that have a way, it's a path or it's, um, you know, a road, but to Sosema, it's uh, an, you said it's like an open field where everything uh, is free and you can connect and relate and see the similarities and differences in any way you choose, as opposed to just being on a single road where you might get an exit ramp here and there, but uh, the direction is already set for you. While well, in Systema you can go backwards, forwards, any direction and see how things relate. And I think that's what allows us to really explore Uh, ourselves, and in doing so, we can connect with everybody else, and I think the suffering and the compassion you can develop from that exploration is what I think can develop a person as a human being, as opposed to just being a martial artist. Um, Hmm. Because I think if you really think about it, uh, if you think of how you you have your own history, and You know, you have your regrets and your disappointments or whatever trauma one might carry. And then if you recognize that in other people, then you can almost say that everybody else is living a life that you would be living if you were born as them with their history. And Mm -hmm. then if you recognize that, you see how, um, you know, we're all connected um, and you have this uh, sense of oneness. And I think that's sort of the goal that I think all religions uh, try to, um, you know, I guess, uh, express uh, in their teachings? I don't mm. know if that sounds very hokey, uh, but... No, not
1: at all, no. I mean, I mean, definitely, I mean, it's hard for me to think of any religion or spiritual teaching that doesn't teach in some way some sort of transcendence above the self, right? It's like that you have to give yourself up to some higher power, right? In Islam, it's like a way of submission, and you know, the 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 refrain that they give all the time that Allah Akbar is like, God is great. God is great. God is great. And it's like, I'm not great. He is right. <laughs> and in Christianity, it's, it, there's a constant recognition of, um, you know, that, um, that God is the higher power. And, you know, you give yourself up to him and in his will um, and across the board. Now, in even in Buddhism, which doesn't, you know, really purport to a- any idea of like a deity or a God. It's like the, the idea is that you give yourself up to to the universe in a sense that you forget about the self and you don't put yourself as so important <laughs> you you just recognize that you're one part of a much larger thing and that you don't really in in that sense kind of exist right <laughs> that you, yourself isn't in nowhere near so important so so that makes perfect sense in that if one of the things that art is supposed to do is is to help us forget about our own self-importance right and, and to understand connect with the environment and and the people around us then then that that makes perfect sense to me. That, that that starts to connect all of these different disciplines and what they're trying to do. Do you think that there's a, um, a not a danger, but a difficulty sometimes though in too much freedom? Um, for example, like if you give somebody a, like a musical instrument and you say, "Hey, don't worry about learning scales and don't worry about like." learning somebody else's piece of music right just free jazz just play whatever feels good right? Yeah. <laughs> then usually the sounds that come out of it don't sound less akin to Miles Davis and more akin to kind of like fourth grade band practice or something like that it's a whole bunch of people doing different things um that don't sound particularly good and and there's ne- there's an aspect of of technique or there's an aspect of understanding what's harmonious and what might work and what might fit in with somebody else that's kind of a prerequisite to be able to being able to improvise. And I noticed on a psychological level that some people that come into Trisystemma, they just, they seem lost in the freedom, right? They, they just want to be told in the first instance, like, what do I do? How do I feel successful? And on the one hand, you want to give that to them because you want to have them feel like they can do something they can build from. But on the other hand, every time I do that and I give somebody something to do, I feel like I'm taking away their capacity or their opportunity to, to find out what's what's there when they forget about trying to perform and, um, and show other people what they can do, right, like themselves and that kind of thing. So have you come across that in your teaching or in your training, is it like the the idea of too much freedom and getting lost in it?
0: Well, I think that's where uh, discipline comes in. Um, you know, that Jocko uh, quote about um, discipline is freedom. So I think freedom uh, can be one of those, like, things where uh, it could be a, a wild horse that you can ride on and it's exciting and you can go in any direction, but it may take you in directions that you don't want to go or get you lost somewhere hmm. with no way back. And I think, um, again, uh, self-awareness and discipline and having a clear understanding of the process um, is what allows you to have the freedom. Um, otherwise, uh, you're a slave to whatever whims and passions and, you know, random ideas uh that can uh send you in you know all sorts of directions so and i think that's where uh even in systema there's freedom of movement but at the same time uh those drills there's really not much uh freedom you have when you have to do you know a slow push-up i mean you mm. have to deal with it or the breathing you don't have the freedom to breathe however you want there's very clear ways of how they teach breathing and then once you have a a very good understanding of what that drill is, and then you can start playing around with it. So, uh, like with what you're talking about, music, you have to know the chords in order to you know, mix them and you know play them however you want. But first, you have to understand the chords, and then um, the notes and the keys. Uh, they don't change because you decide to ignore them. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's where the uh, discipline and also being honest with oneself. It's like you know, am I really you no know, Doing this, or am I just flailing? Um, yeah, and I think, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: interesting. So, do you think there's? Um, it seems to me that in art, there's been kind of like a, um, and in music, to a certain extent as well, that, that you get these regular kind of resurgences of people wanting to go simpler like to go back the way um so in it seems like every 20 or 30 years or so in music at least people want to pare things down and things get really complex like through the 80s synthesizers came about and people were playing like more highly produced music and then through the 90s you had this kind of grunge movement and garage band movements where people pared it right down to like a three-piece band again or, or a four-piece band just trying to make it kind of as simplistic as possible and then you go through like another complex phase and then people go back the way again and the same thing in art as well there seems to be like a resurgence in interest in like simpler forms like things like calligraphy right and or, or or much more minimalist kind of things, and even in kind of movement culture, right, people are getting into just the idea of primal movement and just like what what are these basic things that we can do that get us back to the way that we were. Do you think there's something that systema can offer um to people? in that, in that kind of realm as a martial art, that it's not a process of like adding things like learning new techniques and more complex wrestling moves or more complex joint locks. It's not new and fancy. It's, it's in, in essence, a way of kind of returning to what it is that our bodies can do anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that saying? Uh, if things don't add up, try subtracting. Um,
2: (laughs) I like that. That's great.
0: Yeah. So, and there's also a saying in, um, architecture, um, Buildings can be decorated, but decorations can't be buildings. Um, mm. So I think, um, like, like in art, uh, there's you know, sometimes you could have a lot of uh, adornments and frivolous things, but if the underlying uh, composition or the basic linear movements uh, you know, aren't right, uh, no amount of different colors on the palette or uh, you know little details will fix a bad composition. Mm. So, uh, so if your structure, if your You know, breathing, if your state of, uh, you know, your movement, uh, muscle tone uh, or too much tension, you know, no amount of like uh, interesting gestures or waving of arms will fix, you know, a bad structure or bad movement. Hmm. So I think this emphasis on, you know, the proper breathing and relaxation and structure, just the foundational stuff. Uh, and without all these uh, extra movements you see in wushu or other kind of traditional martial arts, where you kind of think, oh, well, that that looks cool, but you know, how is that practically used? Um, hmm. and, uh, and same with Argentine Tango. Uh, there are these things called adornments where you see you know people doing little, um, you know, cute movements with their feet or um, you know, little kicks or wraps. Those are all great, uh, but if you don't have your walk and connection, um, then it's just acrobatics. Um, hmm. So um, what I really like about Sistema is this emphasis on the foundational movement, because without it, uh, everything else is just uh, adornment. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's nice. Of, I hadn't thought of it that way before, like adornment versus fa- foundational structure. That's a, that's an interesting way of putting it. And in terms of the purpose as well, that's I'm just reminded a little bit as well of sometimes like the foundations of a uh, parkour, like free running, right? The, the original idea was how to get from A to B in the most efficient way possible, right? They went over things, they went under things, they traveled. Um, but the idea was to flow through the environment um, like, an, like an animal, like, like a monkey moving through a rainforest canopy or something, like almost oblivious to what's in the way, just kind of using everything to keep that flow going. But since it's kind of split off and it's evolved into you know what used to be called tricking, right? People like run a little bit, jump a little bit, and then they do like a backflip with a couple of twists off it and land on the ground. And that's so far removed from what parkour originally was that a lot of the you know the founders of parkour in France were like, no, this is not at all what we did, and this is you know this doesn't have any philosophy to it. This is now showing off, right? This is not like a, an art of movement. This is just pumping around right just just pure adornments is like who can do the most gymnastics off of buildings right instead of who can flow through the environment more and to me sometimes that that's there's parallels there between the difference between some traditional martial arts and or, or at least where they've got to right i think some martial arts had these movements in so that you could practice some sort of principle right some of the movements were quite complex and some of the kata are quite um, quite florid and they're all over the place um, but the idea was that in, in learning those and the precision that's involved you could um, you could distill the underlying structure or something, right? That If you could do something that complex and still keep your form and everything else then it shows some degree of mastery but I think over time sometimes as it's taught from teacher to teacher and goes in different directions people start to look at the adornments and the flourishes and they think that that's the thing, right? <laughs> that they think that that is the actual art and they, they miss the fact that the art's underneath it uh, Do you see... Something similar to that yourself in, in dance or in, or in uh, yeah
0: mm. yeah uh, I mean I've seen some dancers who look you know great from the outside but then um, when you actually embrace them it's like wow there's no connection uh, there's no um, desire to even communicate and it's all about them just kicking their legs and um, hmm. and, showing and, off. and usually, yeah showing off and usually a lot of those uh, people um, they don't they either have to change or they don't last because nobody wants to dance with them. Hmm. Um, and I think, uh, with training, uh, you, if, if they're so invested in their ego and it's all about them and not about, you know, honestly working together to try, figure things out and improve, uh, then they're not fun training partners. Um, yeah. so, um, uh, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, there's really, um, a need for really, um, getting the um, foundational work, and I think that's where you find um, the real exploration, and then all these little gestures and frivolous superficial stuff. Um, Not that, you know, they're not, I guess uh, there's a place for them, otherwise they wouldn't exist, Um, Hmm. but I think uh, it should be de-emphasized and only used uh, when it's appropriate, kind of like when there's a music with too many notes, it's kind of irritating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so how do we, uh, how do we reconcile that with the, uh, with the marketing problem in the, the flashier something looks, um, the more kind of, the more eyeballs get on it on social media and the more likely somebody is to be like, oh, I want to do that thing. Look at that 20-step Gundas arm or that awesome jumping, flipping arm lock that you take them into from a standing position or something, right? It's, it, when you look at some martial arts, you, know, you look at something like a Bando or you look at um, Silat even or something like that, right? You can be like, wow, that looks really cool. And it would be fun to be able to do all those cool moves, right? Um not so with sistema, right? You see somebody doing sistema, and it looks like the other guy just kind of fell over, and the other <laughs> because one guy was very upright and and was a bit too relaxed, or maybe one guy's just pretending to fall over or something. When it, when it's done right, it doesn't look like m- much of anything at all, and it's very subtle. And to me, there's a little bit. I could see the same kind of thing with Argentinian tango. You know, when I look at Argentinian tango, it's it's much more subtle and much smaller, and I think you have to have more of a kind of like a a craftsman's eye to see actually what's going on between this couple who are so close to each other and are making such small little movements versus you know a big choreographed come dancing like performance of ballroom or something like that where people are flinging each other around and looking you know looking happy about the whole thing. How do you think we get around that? How can we show people the inherent benefits right in in approach A versus the visual benefits of approach B?
0: Um. Uh- you know, I honestly don't know. It seems like um, especially American culture uh, is not really heavy on um, subtle context uh, and more more on uh, visual um, appearance. So, uh, so I guess what I mean is in conversation, they focus on what's being said as opposed to what's not being said. And sometimes a lot more could be communicated by when somebody has a silent moment or just... Um, or saying a, a certain word uh at the right time which has much more uh weight than saying a whole bunch of words which uh don't mean anything.
2: Hmm.
0: And I don't know how um how um yeah how the the depth and complexity of this uh can really be shown to the public uh without having to buy into this uh frivolous marketing, you know, like flashing Hollywood movement uh thing. Um yeah, it's a tough yeah, that, thing.
1: I mean, for for my part, I yeah. think I've tried to I've tried to go via the people who might be interested in things that are also simple and introspective, right? So the the kind of people who want to study, um, like. Uh, I don't know, acro yoga, right? <laughs> or, or might want to study meditation or might want to study something that involves some movement of the body but with a view to kind of seeing what you can do as opposed to what you can show people that you can do, right? Um, so I've, I've tried to kind of move in along the sides of those and be like, hey, you like that? Then you might like this as opposed to trying to rein in the people who are already doing other martial arts styles. And for the most part, they're... If they're invested in something, if they're invested in BJJ or karate or taekwondo or something, then they're probably quite happy with what they're doing and for the reasons that they're doing it. Um, And if they're not, like a a lot of people in this podcast have come away from another martial art, it's usually because they've kind of gone through the whole cycle and they've seen what it is and what it can do and they've seen how they feel and... The person that they become at the end of training and and they start wanting something different and in my experience i think those people just find their own way to sustain it anyway right so i don't know whether or not we need to try so hard to reach out to other martial artists and get them to try ours instead of theirs do you know what i mean i, I don't this might be the wrong hypothesis but I, I feel like that we should reach out more to people who are not in martial arts and be like no no wait this is not just a martial art this is an art this is something that you can do in order to learn how to understand yourself to transcend yourself, to understand other people, to improve your relationships—right—that's that's where the real value is for me in Sistema. It's it's like a it's it's a study in the manner of a spiritual tradition, not um, not in the manner of a physical tradition.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, just like the uh, you know the title of your podcast Sistema for Life. Uh, I mean, if something you're investing a lot of time in doesn't help you, nor is it applicable to your everyday life, then um, it's no different than just going to a gym. So uh, unless somebody is a professional fighter, all those times spent uh, in a ring or, uh, you know, doing rolling on the floor, uh, you know, it's just a good workout. But mm. I don't know how much of that uh, applies to how you, you know, deal with your coworkers if all you're thinking about is choking them when you get into an you know, argument with them. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but in Systema, like, I find... Like, everything from, am I sitting at my desk correctly? Am I getting out of uh, my car as efficiently? And am I aware of my surroundings? Um, Am I starting to get angry or fearful? All those things uh, that I can apply in everyday life comes from the Sistema training. So, um, yeah, again, as for the marketing part, that's why I'm so bad at it, and I had a small group. So maybe Jim might do a better job. (laughs) He's the marketing uh, guy, right? (laughs) yeah, Yeah, but as for how to do that, so I think, the emphasis should be about you know like how can you learn something that again uh, broadly so it applies to everything as opposed to here's a set of skills that are only useful in these uh, limited you know situations gotcha so yeah so yeah, and maybe even saying that it's a martial art uh, because it has so much baggage in the words uh, might be limiting maybe it's sort of um, as many people said, it's an operating system uh, that you could apply to everything.
2: Um, hmm.
1: Gotcha. So, so, um, so if you if you had to give advice to somebody else, if you're talking to a friend uh, in DC who's not really a martial artist, right? Um, and you're trying to maybe not convince or proselytize about Systema and, and try and like pull them in, but if you're trying to kind of phrase it in such a way that you feel like it might have some appeal coming in Um, what kinds of things do you would you normally say to people um, about system and what it can do
0: well i would say basically it's a way for uh, one to uh, be aware and regulate one's uh, physical emotional and psychological state Mm. that could be applied in all things but the extra benefit is it also will help you uh, manage stressful situations, including violent encounters where uh, you don't have to learn a lot of techniques or movements, but just understanding your own body and another person, basically human anatomy, which then will allow you to uh, escape and evade and, you know, find safety without getting entangled in a situation. Um, Hmm. So that's I don't know, I'm sure there's a more articulate way to say that, but basically I would say it's a way to improve the quality of your life without um, adding a lot of uh, baggage to weigh yourself down.
1: Nice. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty articulate. (laughs) That's great. So so have you found, obviously you're living in DC, which is sometimes not the least stressful place in the world. Um, Have you found Systema to be useful in coping with your kind of work-life balance and just traffic and everything that's been going on in in your like hectic schedule
0: uh yeah um well compared to years ago i'm much more aware of my breathing or uh changes in my own emotional and psychological states um Hmm. so um that and also uh i think you mentioned it in one of your previous podcasts where uh, when i get into a situation which could be potentially confrontational uh, or unpleasant uh it gives me more of a curiosity approach, of trying to figure out, hey, what's going on, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on, trying to understand the underlying content, uh, as opposed to just dealing with what's happening on the outside, Hmm. so so if I'm able to first uh, know what's going on inside me before I have to deal with the situation outside of me, then I think I can make better decisions, Uh, and I think that's where, again, the freedom comes in, because I get to choose how I want to react, as opposed to thinking I have freedom of just acting impulsively and then having uh, a lot of regretful things later.
1: Yeah. Well said. So what's the, um, what's, what's the hardest lesson you feel like you've learned along the way and system what, what was the thing that just kind of really took you by surprise and made you really think about yourself and how you think and react? Um,
0: I guess the hardest part, um, I guess, uh, to be really honest, um, the hardest part, because it's, Easy to tell little lies to yourself, uh, just little reassurances. But I think uh, the training, uh, I mean, if you're going to really dive into it deeply, I think it forces oneself to be honest. Um, So I think um, it's the honesty part that was, and then being honest means you have to really look at yourself um, with warts and all and not as the person that you think you are. Because Hmm. we, I mean, everybody, um, we all want to appear a certain way, and we spend a lot of time and energy trying to be a person in the minds of others uh, when we could actually spend that same energy actually becoming that person we want to be by being honest and doing the hard work.
2: Hmm.
0: I think Sistema has really uh, given a vehicle to really uh, explore that uh, path um, of like inner exp- exploration to be the person that we want to be as opposed to trying to appear to be a certain way in, th- in the eyes of other people
1: yeah well said absolutely that's um that's i think it's a difficult lesson to learn and maybe for most of us i'm, I'm speaking for myself that's, it's not a lesson you learn once right <laughs> it's it's one maybe you have to learn again and again in different situations
0: yeah and i think that's why uh there's such an emphasis on humility and um You know, strength, courage, uh, humility. I mean, I think that's what you really have to work with uh, within yourself uh, before you can uh, start, um, I guess, applying it uh, to everyday situations outside of yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Michael's been quoted as saying that, you know, if looking at strength and courage and humility, like without the humility you've got nothing else like going forward, right you you won't acquire the strength you won't have true courage if you don't have the humility in this you know if you had to focus, focus on one leg of that stool <laughs> then that would be it yeah yeah great yeah. so what's um so what's next for you so um so just training uh in the group there up in the Tacoma. so it's um the same group um it's in tacoma park is that right just outside of dc and for those that are looking to train in the dc area
0: uh, yeah. So uh, I think uh, Jim has taken over the group, uh, rebranded it uh, as Maryland Systema. And I think it's the same room, same time. And I think he's planning to expand to some other uh, times and locations. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, because of my current schedule, I haven't been able to participate in the group um, classes, but I'm, I'm planning to. And then I'm just doing a lot of personal solo drill training and then heading to seminars when I can. But yeah. then... Yeah, after my detail is over, then I'll probably be more visible.
2: Getting back
1: in. Well, I'll certainly look forward to seeing you in training again soon. I always enjoy training with you every time you do. It's like you talked about people who are bad dance partners that you don't want to train with and other people who you can tell they're exploring the whole time. Like they're not performing. They're not putting on a show. And every time I've worked with you, it's it's felt like you're exploring the entire time. And it's always a, a joyous interaction when you find somebody else that's just doing, just doing that. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you. And likewise, Plan, I really enjoy um, your honesty and um, your generosity in training. So.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. And thanks very much once again for well, your ongoing support of all things NC Systema and for, and for uh, coming onto the podcast. And I uh, very much hope to see you in training again soon. Well, likewise. Thank you, Plan. Thank you, Val. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.